2: Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: This is Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre.
4: What is up, Straight Fire fam? It's me, Jason McIntyre. Straight Fire. For Monday, January 9th, it is a monster day in sports. If you are just tuning into the podcast for the first time ever, what a day you picked to tune in to Straight Fire. Holy cow, unbelievable weekend in sports. We have the Natty tonight, which we will preview with Dan Wolken. I personally had an outstanding weekend Local basketball had been canceled out here in the South Bay the last two years because of COVID. Last two seasons wiped out. Well, it came back this year. I'm coaching my daughter. We coached to a victory Saturday night. And I coached my son. We coached to a victory Sunday. And then I had one of my best gambling seasons wrapped up with a 4-1 and in the big money contest. Looks like I'll finish just outside the money. I think the winner takes home like $3 It was a great weekend in gambling. I did lose one bet. Rob. Tough L with the Seattle Seahawks finishing above 500. Yes, yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's true. All you Seattle Seahawks fans tuning in, yes, it's going to happen. I've picked a date. I've got a barber. It's going to happen. We'll discuss it at a later date. I'm sure we'll talk about it on the herd a little bit today. Seattle getting the overtime win, and they sneak into the playoffs, folks, because Aaron Rodgers choked in an unbelievable gag job. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers lose as, I think the closing line was six. They lose outright, miss out a chance on the playoffs, and the worst part about it, it happened at home. I was absolutely stunned. I got a lot right on Sunday in the NFL. A lot of teams that had to win covered you know, Bengals, Niners. Green Bay just simply needed to win and could not get the job done. Complete ineptitude in the red zone. Aaron Rodgers, in what... Curiously, announcers were calling like maybe his final pass as a Packer was an abysmal off-his-back-foot interception. Hope and a prayer under pressure. I did not see that coming. I talked glowingly on this podcast about the Packers' chances to win the NFC at plus 3,000. That ticket is now up in smoke. It is literally burnt. Detroit pulls off a stunner. Lions, after starting 1-6, come back rally to defeat the Packers in Lambeau. And folks, let the speculation begin about Aaron Rodgers' future. This is where it gets weird. So after the game, you know, the players are talking at center field. Jamison Williams comes over to Aaron Rodgers. You can audibly hear him say, like, let me get that jersey. And Aaron Rodgers goes, I think I'm going to hang on to this one. And, like, laughs. And Jamison Williams is, like, laughing. And then they cut to Tarrico and Collinsworth. And Tariko says... Wow, that was odd. Speculation can begin on Rodgers. But then here's the weirdest part. You go look at his contract. And let's be real. Aaron Rodgers was not particularly sharp in this game. And I don't want to say it was all his fault. I know he said at the outset he choked. Listen, when you're leading in the fourth quarter at home and you don't win and you throw an interception on the final drive, I think you kind of choked. Did you not? He was under pressure. That They got bullied at the point of point of attack. The trenches were dominated. By the Lions, Aiden Hutchison was an absolute beast. Uh, I believe uh, Alan McNeil is a former Jet. Uh, he was drafted by the Jets, at least. Hutchison, two sacks, two tackles for loss. Uh, Kirby Joseph was outstanding in the secondary. This D- Detroit team is for real. I was texting a bloody uh, buddy on a he was on a flight and he had he, you know couldn't watch the game, and he's like, give me updates, give me updates. And I'm telling him, he's just freaking out. You know, longtime Lions fan. These guys never win anything. They finish the season nine and eight. They're not going to the playoffs. But holy hell, that was a ride, was it not? You look at this roster. You're like, damn. Offensive line bullying Green Bay. Defensive line tenacious. You had a couple pieces to the secondary. A- and I mean, wh- where are you lacking? Your skill position players are outstanding. And all of a sudden, you go into next season, and you're like, okay, the arrow's pointing up on Detroit. Uh, Chicago threw an incredible amount of fortitude put forth by the Houston Texans who <laughs> rallied, we'll talk about it in a minute, to win the game, lose the number one seed, then proceed to fire their coach all in the span of a few hours. Just unbelievable stuff. But you look around, you're like, okay, Chicago's kind of interesting. Detroit is certainly interesting. No, Minnesota's going to have some aggression off the 11 wins by one score. What about Green Bay? What's happening here? Aaron Rodgers kind of – there's a picture of him walking into the tunnel with his arm around Randall Cobb. Remember the one guy he wanted to bring back? And you're just thinking like, huh. What Does Rodgers, what, walk away from football? I, I don't know. He just signed a new deal last year. Do they trade him? Well, uh, according to the contract that he signed, the Packers can't trade him. The, the dead money is unbelievable. It's like $68 million. So what are you, trading Jordan Love? I don't know what's happening here. Um, Matt Lafleur, who was supposedly a boy genius the last few years, <laughs> didn't look like much of a genius out there. I mean, he—I don't want to say get out coached by Dan Campbell, but how about Ben Johnson, the OC I've been raving about? Unbelievable call to call it hook and ladder on second and twenty, with like three minutes left. It picked up seventeen yards and was part of uh, the ultimate game-winning drive spectacular stuff from the Detroit Lions. Let that sink in. And meanwhile, Aaron Rodgers, listen, I know a bunch of teams are going into the playoffs with some like, oh man, heartache for the Eagles fans, Cowboys fans. We'll talk about them all week. It don't look good. You look at some of these teams and you're like, damn. And then you look at the Packers and it's even worse. At least those other teams are in the playoffs. Folks. Folks. I'm be, I don't know what the future holds for Aaron Rodgers, but it it just has an odd feeling to it. Like, maybe something's going on here that we don't know about. It felt like Tarico had, like, a knowing comment late in the game that something is amiss in Lambeau. I don't exactly know what it is, but I can tell you this. It's going to be another speculative offseason in Green Bay, Rob.
5: Oh, i say that's an understatement of the century. I mean, uh, going back how many years now, every offseason's been a— uh, summer of uncertainty for Aaron Rodgers. you know. Ever since Matt LaFleur got there and they kept choking in the playoffs, it's Aaron Rodgers, as much as I remember he said years ago that um, he didn't like the way Brett Favre handled his exit from Green Bay, that he was always waffling and it was, am I going to come back? Am I going to retire? I don't know, blah, blah, blah. And then lo and behold, Aaron Rodgers does the exact same thing the last three or four years. Um, But to your point, I'm kind of surprised that this is even a talking point Last night and this morning because, as you said, if he leaves, whether it's via retirement or trade or, or waived, whatever, it's a $68 million cap, dead cap hit. That's- and up to $99.8 million if it takes place before June 1st.
4: Yeah, that's the weird part, Rob. It's almost like he structured it so he can't get traded. But now his actions and his words almost speak like he wants to be traded no
5: yeah I mean and, and I put out this tweet last night after the game like joking like hey Aaron Rodgers come to Vegas like that that'd be great right and obviously you take I would him over that. Tom Brady hell yeah absolutely um, but <laughs> the, the thing is is that there is no realistic way for him to get out and play again next season it, it's it's unrealistic to think that he could get out period Because you would think that if he was going to retire, Green Bay would have to restructure his deal again in like a a Drew Brees fashion where they tack on like seven years of of contract so that they can toll the dead money all the way out. Right. And so it's almost like the NBA wave and stretch where rather than pay you 30 million now or the thirty million dollar dead hit, it'll be like five million for six years, something like that. Mm. So they could do that, but you can't do that in a trade. So there is no realistic scenario where Aaron Rodgers is playing anywhere other than Green Bay
4: next season. It's fun to speculate. And listen, the quarterback carousel will be fun. Um, There's several teams out there who potentially could make a move. The New York Giants fans are so angry at me because I speculated that Derek Carr could end up there And, and he would be an upgrade over Danny Dimes. Listen, Brian Dabo got the cover. My only loss in the contest. With Davis Mills, oh, I'm sorry, not Davis Mills, Davis Webb, two starting quarterbacks named Davis. Meanwhile, I never had a kid by the first name of Davis in my, in elementary school, middle school, high school, not one kid named Davis. Now there were two starting quarterbacks Sunday named Davis. Both covered the spread, by the way. Um, like, I, I do think there were some interesting moves to be made. I, I thought, you know, Sam Darnold had played his way into maybe getting a look. Gosh, he was horrendous in the finale against the Saints, and they still won. you got to wonder what the Jets do. They're going to be in the, in the mix for somebody. I would not be shocked if Bill Belichick went after Garoppolo. I, I have speculated that on the herd. I haven't said it here, but I just have this hunch that Belichick's not happy with Mac Jones, who, by the way, had three picks in their season finale. They, are, they lost and are out of the playoffs. Uh, we know Tom Brady's leaving Tampa. We, we know Ryan Tannehill's gone from Tennessee, we don't know what's going on with the Raiders. I, I, I think it's probably going to be Brady. But it's weird. I texted a Detroit Lions buddy. Uh, yes, I have two friends who like the Detroit Lions. Hey, um, you guys are like, I don't know, a quarterback away from being good. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. What's with the golf slander? <laughs> and I'm like, uh, not slander. I just didn't think he was great. But I don't know. Maybe maybe we're going to see um, uh, like a not great quarterback make a run to the Super Bowl here in the playoffs. I mean, Deshaun Watson wasn't great. Uh, this season, you're taking a year off. But you look at Aaron Rodgers, and if he's available, I don't know. Who would I rather have, Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady? Hmm. Aaron Rodgers. I th- <laughs> yeah, from, uh, maybe, but I'll say this. I would say Tom Brady's less of a headache than Aaron Rodgers.
5: Are you sure? I mean, like I know that it's Tom Brady. So people, if you point out the things that Tom Brady does – that are unsavory or not great, you're labeled a Tom Brady hater. It's kind of like the LeBron factor. But this season,
4: yeah, well, Tom
5: Brady has been every bit the headache as Aaron Rodgers. Yes,
4: yes. Well, you know, when you, when you, uh, when you're, when you retire, and then you say, F it, I'm going back. And then your wife dumps you. You know, like, it's and a tough go. you skip goal, but
5: practice, you skip training camp. That you being said, leave, Rob. You leave walkthroughs to go to
4: a, a wedding. Like, one of the quarterbacks is in the playoffs. The other... Well, I mean, it, and it, did not. It, I know it's a team sport. And by the way, I, I got to lay the lumber to Clay Quay Walker. Holy, oh, hell, yeah. one of the dumbest penalties I've seen all season. And by the way, guys, that's two Georgia guys who were drafted in the first two rounds, I think, or maybe the first round, um, that had insanely stupid penalties. The number one overall pick for the Jags. I'll never forget. He cost me money with an imbecilic, I think that's a word, penalty that led to um, the Colts going and winning the game earlier in the season. costing money, and I'll never forget it. Like. I mean, Quay Walker, dude, what are you you doing? At any rate, you mentioned Brady. They are at home against Dallas. The playoffs are set. We're going to talk about them all week. I'll just touch on them briefly here before we get to a couple other items. So Tampa at home against Dallas. I've seen it two and a half. I've seen it three. I don't know. I think everybody's going to look away from Dallas because the Cowboys, oh, by the way, laid a colossal egg. Folks, this is hard to believe. Washington, and if you looked at their inactives, They had made, like, some guys that are relevant inactive. They had, I don't want to say a totally makeshift defense, but a lot of backups. And Dak Prescott was 14 of 37 for 128 yards with a touchdown and a pick. And if you watched any of that game, he was outplayed by Sam Howell, who looked plucky. And I know we've seen Jared Stidham, Rob's guy, look plucky. We saw uh, my guy Mike White look good for a game. Anybody can look good for a game. But Sam Howell... Looked like he belonged. He was confident. He was not skittish, decisive. Stuff I like to see. I, I, don't, I don't know. But Dallas looked awful. Folks, I, I, my lean. I have not bet this game yet. My lean is to Dallas. Of course, uh, it's two bad coaches. It's not like, you know, McCarthy's coaching against Shanahan like last year. He's going up against Todd Bowles, who is not very good. Um, Bengals-Ravens. Bengals, five-and-a-half, six-point favorites. We don't know if Lamar Jackson's back. I don't know, Rob. I secretly think this Lamar Jackson stuff is really ugly behind the scenes. I have no intel on that. Don't try to, you know, aggregate me on this. But he hasn't practiced in a month. Meanwhile, Adam Schefter weeks ago reported, yeah, he's expected back by December 24th. Rob, is it Adam Schefter doesn't just throw stuff up against the wall. You know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of Kawhi Leonard with the San Antonio Spurs. Kawhi Leonard was on his way back. He was playing in three-on-three. He was playing in five-on-five. I'll never forget. Media was asking, like, Tony Parker, what's going on? They're like, I don't know. He's playing with us. He seems fine. I think Manu Ginobili was still there. They're like, I I don't know. Very weird. And the next thing you know, Kawhi Leonard's like, stop forcing me to play. I'm out of here. He just left. He demanded a trade. I don't know what's going on with Lamar Jackson, but I'm telling you, something doesn't feel right. They get blown out. There was a lot of trash talk after that game from the Bengals. Apparently some cheap shots from the Ravens. If it's Tyler Huntley, I think you lay, lay it with the Bengals. Um, and there's a lot of uncertainty at quarterback. Buffalo Bills? Who are they facing? Tua? If it's Skylar Thompson, I'm not watching this game. I'll find something to do. Um, Bills are passed for me. Chargers-Jags is interesting. Jags took a lot of money last night. Very odd. Uh, also, Bob, uh, Rob, can I briefly talk about Brandon Staley? Because everybody said, oh, Brandon Staley got him to the playoffs. He's sa- his job safe. Rob, not the way he coached that Week 18 game. Hell no. He kept Eckler, Herbert, Keenan Allen, Mike, Williams, Bosa. Kept them all in. Game that meant nothing to the third quarter. Was he trying to prove a point? Rob, I got to be honest. I don't know how bad the Mike Williams injury is. But I'm telling you right now, if they go out and lose this game and players aren't looking fit, like Bosa, who's kind of a big deal, I would not be shocked if Staley got fired. Especially if they got housed by the Jags. Now, the Jags did not look good Saturday night, Trevor Lawrence, but maybe that was their playoff game. Get the playoff rust out of your system. Hang on. Get a lucky defensive touchdown to, uh, t- to uh, take down the Titans. But, Rob, I'll be honest. I don't know. I- I'll-, I'll go on record now. I don't think Brandon Staley's safe with his actions on Sunday's season finale. I
5: I agree with you, but I hope that that is not the case. I hope that his position is locked up squarely because he is terrible. And I know some people around the organization, they were telling me before the season, look, if he, if they don't make the playoffs, he's out. Like that was the, the consensus, right? They make the playoffs and then he goes and does something like this in week 18. And and what's funny is he was grilled about it after the game, and rightfully so. This this was one of those situations where the media, the beat reporters in the in the locker room, finally asked the question that everybody wanted to know, and it was, why did you insist on playing your guy? Because it wasn't just Mike. I know Mike Williams was the big one because I believe he had to get help to the out of the locker room, like he wasn't walking on his own because whatever he was dealing with. Uh, but if you were there's a, like a running tweet of all the different nicks that these guys got the big players. So um, Austin Eckler takes a huge hit and is slow to get up. You ends up finishing the game. He's fine. Oh. Kenneth Murray gets knocked out of the game. He's questionable to return. They ultimately decide, like, it, it's late. We're going to bring him back. And then Joey Bosa gets knocked out and then comes in later after getting knocked out of the game. Jeez. And it's like, I, I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand what you're trying to prove. So somebody asked him, why did you insist on having your starters that late into a game when you knew there was no benefit in the standings whatsoever. Your your position in the playoffs was locked up. And this is what he said, quote, there's only 48 guys you can choose from and there aren't any easy decisions.
2: Uh, Bro, uh.
5: <laughs> did you not see what the Giants did? What Washington did? What pick your other favorite team that played this week that didn't have anything to play for did? That's embarrassing. It, it's like this, he... I don't even understand how he got the position that he's in, right? Because he was brought over as the defensive guru for the Rams. And then he leaves and uh, their defensive coordinator now, who was the Bucks head coach. What's his name? Uh, Raheem Morris. Oh, yeah. Instantly takes them to the Super Bowl. And their defense was better than they were the year before. So it's like, are you sure it's you? Or is it you just had Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey and... Anybody can be good with those guys.
4: I know the Jags beat them 38-10 this year, but that was a weird game. I've discussed it with, you know, Jaguars Twitter. Uh, by the way, a, a very un- a unreasonable bunch, I'll just say that, the Duval crowd. I love um, Duval. I'm sure you do, Rob. Because I um, picked them
5: before the season to make the playoffs, and that was the one the hot take that I was right on. So job I'm, well done? I'm, I'm taking the Jags in this one. Not even I, an upset.
4: I, I think – ooh. Spicy, uh, and then Giants Vikings is the other game. I think I, I think I'll probably have some money on Giants to win that outright. Um, they're three point dogs. I think that'll go below three. But good playoff matchups. And Rob, remember the playoffs are exciting. Like right in this moment, but you know, in a couple hours, we're gonna have some more head coaching firings. We saw Lovey Smith last night was the first to get got. Houston is straight up embarrassing. Now I know that people are gonna think this comes out wrong, but I just want to remind everybody. Since firing Bill O'Brien in 2020, they had Romeo Cronell for 12 games. They hired David Culley. I think he's working at a Southwest terminal in Arizona right now. I, I don't know what he's doing. He goes 4-13. They fire Getting berated by upset customers. That's what be, David Culley <laughs> dealing with right now. And then Lovey Smith. And, and I got to say this, I don't know, do you, can you blame Lovey Smith for what happened? So just to recap for the, everybody who did not watch that game, the Texans, all they need to do is lose and secure the number one pick. They lead the Colts 10-0, 17-7, 24-14. Then they throw a pick six and get their Texans on, and now they're trailing in the fourth quarter. They need a, a touchdown and a two-point conversion to win the game in the final three minutes. Houston goes 14 plays, 83 yards. They convert a fourth and 12. Remember, all you got to do if you're the Colts is knock the ball down. And if you're the Texans, oh, cool, we got the number one pick. But these players don't care. What are they? Half of them probably won't even be on the roster. So he converts a fourth down and 12. Then it's fourth and 20. Rob, I don't know if you've seen the highlight. Now, I was not watching Red Zone because I was coaching my son's basketball game. Fourth and 20. Davis Mills essentially throws a Hail Mary A Colts defender mistimes his jump. The ball basically goes right through his hands for a touchdown. I I mean, you can't. I mean, at some point, the Texans front office must have just been F-bombing that entire drive. And, of course, they get the two-point conversion, and they get the win. And now the Texans fall to the number two seed. So, Rob, we have seen the number one pick traded to get a quarterback several times, right? Uh, Baker Mayfield, um, uh, Carson Wentz. It happens. People want the number one seed to get your pick at quarterback. San Francisco went up to, I think, three to get Trey Lance or two, one of them. So right now the Bears have the number one pick. They are sitting very pretty. Like, Rob, they're in great shape. The question is, do you think someone jumps up into the mix to try to get the number one pick, whether they really love Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud, who, by the way, was incredible for Ohio State against Georgia? Didn't look like the C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. I don't know. I think he's the number one pick. If I mock for Fox, I'll have that. But rounding out the top five, Chicago, Houston, Arizona at three is interesting. I don't think they take a quarterback. Um, Indianapolis at four. I think Will Levis is certainly in play. Denver, with the win over the Chargers, dropped Seattle's pick to five. And Detroit, Rob, the Detroit Lions, who just went nine and eight, ended Aaron Rodgers' season, have the sixth pick in the draft. Your Vegas Raiders are at seven. Have you looked at any ideas for the draft yet, or is it too early?
5: No, I've been uh, combing it, you know, because I know that you're something you're really heavy on, and I know that my team's going to need a quarterback, so i got to kind of be paying attention.
4: Come on. Um, You think McDaniels is taking a QB that early? Honestly, yes. I need to get you on board with the Brady stuff. It feels like a fait accompli.
5: Look, I'll tell you this right now, and this is— Date stamp it. Anyone listening, straight fire all the P1 listeners. On Monday, January 9th, if Tom Brady becomes the Las Vegas Raiders oh, no. quarterback, oh, no. I will switch my allegiance to the Jacksonville
4: Jaguars. Oh, don't do it, Rob. I got to pick
5: a team that's like unrelated
4: to anything else I root for. So that would be my uh, team. Listen, As someone who jokingly said on air, if the Seahawks finish above 500, I'll shave their logo on the side of my head. And four months later... Paying the price. Um, be careful with what you – going to just dump the Raiders for yes. Jacksonville? Yes. Now, here's – the okay, hold on. What if you get Aaron Rodgers? Do you have then to I'm switch? Then
5: I'm good. Now I'm good. Okay.
4: So it's only if they get Brady.
5: It's just Brady.
4: Oh, dear. That's a tough one. Uh, so, anyways, Black Monday. Let's see. Any other coaches you think will get fired besides – what do we have? Houston's open. Do you think Cliff Kingsbury gets fired? No. Yeah, I don't. Uh, they Listen. I'm, I don't want to reveal too much, but we all, everybody knows where Steve Keim is. If you look into his history, that's what's going on right now. With him there, I don't think there's any way you fire Kingsbury. It's not an enviable job to come in when your quarterback is coming off major surgery. And, oh, by the way, he's a nightmare with who just signed a massive contract. Indianapolis is going to be hiring a new coach. I don't think Pete Carroll's going anywhere. Denver's in the market. It sounds like Harbaugh or Payton, they're the leaders right now. The McVeigh stuff is interesting. Obviously, they won't fire him. A lot of reports that he may step down. I think we may have talked about it on this podcast. Fishy moments a month ago when the OC of the Rams decided, yeah, I'm going to go back to college. I think we talked about it on the pod, Rob, maybe. And it was just like, well, why would you leave the Rams? You're with McVeigh. Everybody who has a pizza, a slice of pizza with McVeigh gets a head coaching job. What what are you doing? Oh, maybe McVeigh's out. And then remember, someone had floated to me, well, why does it? Why wouldn't Stafford just retire, walk away? And you know, I was told by someone close to Stafford he's going to be back, but we'll see. Maybe that changes. I, I don't know. I, Rams, the Rams opening—is it a good one? Great market. Everybody wants to live in L.A. But I don't know what the quarterback situation is. Vegas. Well, I don't. I don't think they fire McDaniel's. Do you? No. No.
5: But going back to the Rams quickly before we move down the list, I, I really enjoyed what Mike Florio said last night on Sunday Night Football where they talked about the McVay rumors and what's going on with him. And he basically said, it's not that he's burned out. It's not that he's really passionate about getting into TV. It's that Sean McVeigh is aware that they have a massive rebuild in front of them. And he doesn't want to be a part of it.
4: Mm. You know who that sounds a lot like Rob? Who? LeBron James. Oh, jeez. <laughs> he saw the end in Miami said, yo, I'm out. Peace. I'm good. He That's saw too much the writing work. on the wall in Cleveland. I'm out.
5: I'm here to so work gonna- smarter, not harder, bro.
4: Are, are we gonna are we gonna castigate McVeigh the same way we went after LeBron? Well, I didn't go after him. I say I'm no. I got no problem doing that. Nobody will. Onward and upward. You know, I am gonna bring that. I am gonna keep bringing that up. I am gonna go at all those trolls on Twitter. Um, any other head? Does Ron Rivera get fired in Washington?
5: Those were the two. The Ron Rivera was one. The other one was um, Dennis Allen in New Orleans. Those are the two that I think. One and done. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if you call it a dark horse. You know, that's kind of mean to say on Black Monday. You don't know when to get fired. Like that's just not good karma. But, but those DeFay- are the two that B. I would B. keep an eye on.
4: Stephanie in Cleveland.
5: No, because they have the whole Deshaun Watson yeah, situation would, looming really over
4: he their head. Todd, uh, Todd Bowles in uh, Tampa.
5: Well, he can't get fired today, so th- th- he's got to coach it. a playoff game. Yeah.
4: Unfortunately for Tampa Bay fans, he does. <laughs> um, I would not be – if they lose to Dallas, I wouldn't be shocked if he got canned. I don't think – I think he's been very, very bad. And when Tom Brady is like, hey, guys, I'm out of here, it's an indictment on someone. Um, Rob, any other NFL Week 18 thoughts before we kick it over to Dan Wilkin to preview the Natty, TCU and Georgia will do the best bet at the end of the podcast. Um, I've talked about it at length. If you missed Friday's pod, I'd just run that back, but – um, Rob, any closing thoughts, Bill Belichick, retirement?
5: Uh, no, my, my only closing thought is something that you've touched on this pod and in weeks pre- previously. Um, just, you know, RIP to you and everything that's going to happen to you in the next coming weeks. I just got your Christmas uh, photo still on my fridge, and you and your beautiful mm-hmm. family, you look great. And then shout-out to uh, Seahawks defensive back Tariq Woolen who shared the video that says Jason McIntyre, Seattle is over 500. I will shave the Seahawks logo on my head. So not only do your listeners of the show and, and the podcast know about it, but now all the 12s in Seattle are rooting for you. And we're excited to see that Seahawks on the side of the dome.
4: It's it's an honor to get the um, runner up to Defensive Player of the Year, Sauce Gardner, of course, um, retweeting the <laughs> video, you know, shout out to Tariq Woolen. well done. Um, I guess the only other things I would add, Rob, so I, I want a fantasy ruling on this. So I was in the fantasy finals against a guy who had Josh Allen last week. The game was postponed. I was basically like, well, I'm the commissioner of the league, but I, I didn't want to like <laughs> Steve and be like, yo, pay up. Let, let so I was like, what should we do? He says split it, and someone else said, I'm in another league, and you know what they're doing? They're taking Josh Allen's total from this week and applying it to the game, or like whoever else. Uh, if you had the Bills special teams, holy hell, like, congratulations on your title. Rob, did you watch Allen? He didn't play well. Well, he rushed for only 16 yards and no touchdowns, which was freaking mm. enormous. And he had an interception late in the half in the red zone and three touchdowns and only 254. My opponent needed like 23.9 points. We believe, and we haven't done the breakdown of the fractions, that he got... Somewhere in the neighborhood of 22.8. So I won by about a point. Wow. And I need to give a major shout out to Naeem Hines, who, if he hadn't run two kicks back, it would have been a lot more opportunities for Josh Allen to put up points. So uh, a nice fantasy title, for one for me, one for my son. Now I'm onward to um, try to get a c- couple fourth grade and sixth grade basketball titles. By the way, Rob, I just have to, I know I talk about coaching your kids all the time. Your, your daughter's a little young, right? Mm hmm um fourth grade girls basketball was just i mean we were we had no subs my daughter couldn't even play because she was on a flight back and i still you know coach because i know the parents and the kids and we had like no subs no size and we had it we were up 10 nothing at halftime it was just like a master class in coaching then i i must admit i had a terrible strategy for my son's team because i thought the other team would be better at this thing and they were not we just quickly pivoted to full-court press in the second quarter, and it was like game on, and we ended up winning. But it, it's so fun to coach. Just like, like seeing the excitement from the parents and the kids. Youth sports really is incredible. And I'm not totally that guy, but I am kind of sort of that guy who jokingly is like, ref, what, what, come on. Stevie Wonder could see that travel, bro. Oh, no. You know, no. one of those deals. But in a nice way. You know, we had Eddie House on here, and I, when he was on, I promised I would never get kicked out the way he gets booted from his son's AAU game. so uh, I love Eddie House. Anyway, yeah, Eddie House, good dude. So, um, Rob, do you have – well, let's just we'll, – we'll wrap it there. Let's get to Dan Wolken from USA Today to preview
0: TCU and Georgia. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage,
3: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports. I know what sports fans want. But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy.
4: Dan Wilkin, USA Today Sports. He's been on the pod before. He covers college football as well as anyone in the business. Dan, how are you, man? I'm good, Jason. What's up? Very excited for the natty. TCU Georgia, a little bit of a big point spread, you know, nearly two touchdowns. We'll start here. I do have some thoughts on college football coaching next year, but I need to start with this TCU Cinderella story. So you also cover college hoops and we get Cinderella in the NCAA tournament very often. I can't recall the last legit Cinderella we had in college football. Do you have to go back to the the Boise State, Oklahoma, when it wasn't even like a playoff game? I, I can't recall anything like this TCU run. Yeah, I think that's a
7: good example. But again, that wasn't really playing for a national championship. That was a fiesta ball, was yeah. a big moment. It's just two different sports. I don't think there's really any way to compare. And I don't really think Cinderella exists in the college football space that we have now, because you've got this playoff and you've got to beat, you know, a couple really good quality teams to get to a national championship. Typically your traditional Cinderella is just not going to have the depth. They're not going to have the talent to do that. You know, I go back to the eighties as an example, BYU won a national championship (laughs) playing out of the whack. Now they weren't a Cinderella exactly. They were highly ranked all year, but that was back in the era where you won your conference and then they played in the holiday bowl. And I think they beat Michigan in the holiday bowl. Right. And I think you know Michigan was like ranked number 15 or something like that. You you didn't have to go beat a number one or number two ranked team. You just had to get the most votes in the poll. Right. Yeah. So it's just a different era. Um, the way it's set up now is I, I think post BCS. Where the idea was, all right, we're going to match number one versus number two. You just really don't get Cinderella's. But this TCU thing is totally unique because they were picked seventh in the Big 12 preseason. Um, You know, I I don't know that they're like a classic Cinderella. They've been a great program, Uh, but it's just they had been in turmoil the last few years under Gary Patterson, it had not gone very well. Losing record last year, first-year coach. Like, you just don't see that kind of team do this, but yeah. I, you got to tip your cap. They've been
4: awesome. I mean, it's another way of saying, like, hey, there was really nobody great in college football this year. Clemson is down. They've been a perennial contender. Alabama had all the hype and the expectations. They didn't even make the playoffs. Some people argued they could have. Um, you know, USC was good, but ultimately could not uh, get out of their own way against Utah twice um, I, maybe this is a year where it was just like a a down year, dominant team wise, or, or maybe I'm just exaggerating because Georgia was so dominant last year.
7: No, I think you're definitely right that there wasn't maybe the level of dominance from one or two teams that we normally see. But it's also possible this is the new normal. Mm. You know, you've got this transfer portal situation. You've got nil. I mean, I think there's some evidence that maybe that's leveling the playing field just a little bit. And I think it certainly plays into the TCU story as well. I mean, Sonny Dykes gets the job. You know, they lost a bunch of players, which is what happens when a coach leaves or you have a new coach come in. And yet, you know, they looked at it and said, "All right, where do we need some guys?" And they needed guys on defense. And I believe five of their starters, four or five of their defensive starters, came out of the transfer portal. So what they were able to do is to take areas of their team that were clear weaknesses. And then they go in and get some guys who, you know, I don't know that they're superstars necessarily, but they got some pretty good players and area, an area of their team that was really potentially going to be their undoing. They were able to stabilize it and maybe make it not a strength, but it's not a weakness anymore. So, you know, maybe that's kind of the new model. And I I think people were sort of afraid, like, oh, the transfer portal, all these guys, Alabama's going to, you know, get all these guys, Georgia's going to get all these guys. Georgia barely uses the transfer portal because they yeah. have the guys they want, right? They're yeah. already on campus. So I just feel like maybe, you know, it's not going to make it parody. It's not going to make it the NFL, but it does
4: maybe you know, just level it a little bit. Do you like that? Less dominance at the top, like four or five teams going to the finals every single year or the playoff? The same guys in the mix? Or do you like this? Well, you know, maybe there's 15, 20 teams that are going to have a shot to to crash the party.
7: Oh, I think it's more interesting the way it was this yep. year. I, I think one of the reasons the playoff expanded is people just got bored. People got bored with, all right, we know it's going to be Alabama and Clemson and Oklahoma and maybe Georgia. You know, it was just, you know, Notre Dame got in there a few times. The games weren't very good. Now, I don't know that that's because of the playoff. I, who knows the reason why until this year that where they were great, but yeah, I think people did sort of get tired of the same teams being in there, and mm-hmm. I think it's been good. You've had Michigan the last couple of years,
4: uh, TCU. So, yeah, I, I think a little more parity would be good for the sport. Yeah, I'm looking at the ratings here. It sounds like uh, the they were pretty much monster numbers, um, and, and the only better game was the Oklahoma-Georgia one. It, you remember that was like 54-48 or something. Baker Mayfield versus Nick Chubb. It was That was an awesome game. Um yeah, well the New like- Year's Eve the New Year's Eve
7: games on in the playoff are always going to be up against it from a rating standpoint and then you put some duds on there like we've had and yeah nobody's going to watch i mean i remember covering um a New Year's Eve Alabama Michigan State semifinal and it was over after you know 7 minutes and <laughs> um and there's been a lot of those there's yeah. just been a lot of them so uh it was refreshing to get great matchups this year on New Year's Eve, and I think it shows that the quality
4: of the games is what matters most for drawing and viewers. Your point on the portal is interesting because not only were those games boring in the past, the blowouts, but they were super low scoring, it felt like, like 30-10, to just not very exciting. This, like, offensive orgy that went down where it was like, touchdown. Uh, There was like, I, I mean, you could probably count the punts on one hand in the two games combined. that that, that's exciting football, but what does that stem from the lack of dominance? Or maybe the portal has everybody a little bit better. It just seems unclear. This is such an outlier from everything else we've seen in the playoff.
7: Yeah. I mean, I think it just reflects the larger college football trend of offense being Mm -hmm. easier or more prevalent than defense. Now, Um, you know, I think when you look at these two games, there was high level of offensive execution. And I do think, Kirby Smart was asked about this uh, this week, and you know he attributed maybe you know fatigue or something like that uh, at the end of the season. I don't know, but I, I I do think like you give really good offensive coaches a lot of time to prepare, which is what you get coming into the college football playoff. These teams have you know almost a month off. You have fresh players and you have fresh game plans. You know, and people always have stuff that they can put in over a three week period that maybe you just can't put in during a regular week, the level of offensive executions really, really high when you get into these games. And, and, uh, you know, we haven't necessarily seen it in the semis, but if you think about, you know, the Alabama Clemson games, if you think about the Georgia uh, Oklahoma game, like we've seen some of these before where there's a lot of points. And Mm -hmm. um, I know, you know, Kirby smart who's a defensive guy hates it, but uh, I think, You have to come into these games expecting that you're going to give up 35 points, and then you just have to figure out how to score more.
4: How can you score more? Now, uh, the matchup of quarterbacks here, it's weird. Neither of them considered like an NFL prospect, at least an early, uh, like a first, second, third, fourth. I don't even know. Can Duggan sneak in the fifth, maybe? Uh, And Stetson Bennett, who I had Bruce Peltman on the pod, and I think Bruce was like saying like, listen, Stetson Bennett can hold the clipboard in the league for 10 years. He's smart. He's a veteran. He's not going to screw it up. I mean it's a little shocking that you're seeing these two guys in the natty, but maybe thats also speaks to some larger points in college football,
7: yeah, I think look, football's still a developmental game, you know, and I do think sometimes people get way too enamored with what a guy was rated in high school, yeah. especially at the quarterback position, because at the end of the day, you know we all watch enough football to understand, yeah, you need to be athletically. Good in certain ways, and you need to be able to throw the football and deliver it to where it's supposed to go. But that position is about processing. That's about how your mind processes what you're seeing in front of you and anticipating what's happening before it happens. Uh, so, you know, a guy like Stetson Bennett, who's really, really smart and who's gotten a whole lot better over the course of his career physically, uh, yeah, like could I see him maybe playing in the NFL? Possibly. Um, but I just know that like in terms of his place in college football history, let's stop talking about him or thinking about him as as the former walk on uh, the try hard guy like he's yeah. legitimately been a great college quarterback over the last two
4: years. Great might be a stretch. I mean, but he was in the Heisman mix for like, you know, eight minutes, wasn't he at one point? Look at what he did at the end of that game against Ohio
7: State. They're down. You know, they're down and and he hadn't played all that well. He kind of looked a little bit rattled and frazzled in that third quarter. And then what does he do in the fourth quarter? Just clutch play after clutch play. Did the same thing last year against Alabama. He comes up big in the fourth quarters of of these games. And I don't know how you can knock a guy who's
4: lost once in the last two years. Yeah. but And I tried to do that. Where does he stand for you? You know, we look at like college football history. Oh, Tommy Frazier was incredible. Tim Tebow, just such a winner. I don't know. Does Stetson Bennett, because he has two national championships. And like you said, he beat Alabama last year and he just came back to beat Ohio State. I think we're assuming he beats TCU. Like, does he get in the Pantheon? Does he get in some kind of discussion? No,
7: I mean, probably not because, yeah. you know, I think you have to be like a, there's so many Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks yeah. and there's so many national champion quarterbacks, uh, but certainly for the university of Georgia, which waited 40 years between national titles, uh, for him to be the guy that delivered one and maybe a second, that, that certainly is going to put him in a unique spot here in, in their pantheon, um, You know, in terms of overall college football, yeah, no one is going to sit here and tell you he's one of the 20 best college quarterbacks they've ever seen. That would be silly. Uh, But just in terms of being a winner, and I think the most impressive thing about Stetson Bennett, and and I don't think this gets enough credit or conversation, you're talking about a team of guys who were pretty much all four and five star recruits. I mean, these guys were all big time high school players, blue chip on top of blue chip. And think back to the beginning of the 2021 season. Everyone at Georgia is talking about JT Daniels. JT Daniels had transferred from USC, right? He was going to be the guy. He was going to be the quarterback that Kirby Smart was finally going to have a quarterback and and their offense was going to take off. And what happened? Stetson Bennett, the former walk-on, won that team. Not only was he the best player, he won the locker room, a locker room full of four- and five-star guys. I think that says something just about his makeup, that he was able to do that and that those guys all kind of rallied around him and said, yep, that's going to be our quarterback, and
4: and they have played great ever since. I'll never forget, I was at Fox right before the NFL draft, and I was doing like a mock draft, and I, I think Jordan Palmer was the quarterback guru who came in, and I was like, who who do you like there at the top? And he goes, JT Daniels is going to have a monster year. And he, t- he breaks it down for me. He's like, I've been working with him, blah, blah, blah. I put JT Daniels high. JT Daniels doesn't even win the job. It, it's really amazing. I don't know if he fell or Stetson Bennett elevated, but quarterbacks in college football, Dan, that's like a huge discussion about some of the Spencer Rattler. Right, we, we love to crown guys who were like three, four, five star kids, right? Well, look at the transfer portal right now, and it's that's
7: kind of the whole thing: is a guy goes to a school, and you know maybe he doesn't start or doesn't play. Well, what's going to happen? The next year, he's going to go find somewhere else where he thinks he can play. Um, only one guy can play quarterback. It's a hard mm-hmm. position to evaluate because you just don't know the maturity and the you know, sort of intelligence and the level of play they're against in high school. It's, it's really tough. So, but you know, but obviously, there's certain guys like that stand out above the crowd. And there's certain coaches like Lincoln Riley, for instance, mm-hmm. who c- clearly do a great job within their system developing quarterbacks.
6: that's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex.
2: I'm Katya Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
4: Speaking of quarterbacks, uh, I know he still has never taken a college snap, but I got to ask about Arch Manning and Texas. You know, somebody tried to sell me as, hey, listen, just be careful with Arch, okay? He's basically like a Zion. Zion was playing against, like, you know, small school kids. You see the videos of him in high school. He's just hulking Adonis facing, like, you know, six foot one white guys. I don't know much about Arch Banning's competition. I've seen the highlights, obviously. But what's your take here, Dan, as we head into the offseason for Texas? Quinn Ewers was really good at times and then struggled at times. Any early thoughts on yeah. yours versus Arch? I think there's
7: something to what you said. And look, I don't want to put too many expectations on a young kid who just <laughs> doesn't luck. have... He, you don't know, right? And obviously, the name and the pedigree suggests that he's going to be great. But... I want to see it. You know, I'm not going to sit here and anoint Texas as a national or big 12 contender next year. I'm not the biggest believer in Sark to be honest with you. Um, I think it says, you know, a lot about his ability to build relationships and to, and to recruit that he got that done. Uh, Clearly there was a a huge personal connection there between Arch and, and Sark, but uh, Let's just let it play out, man. I yeah. mean, yeah, he played, you know, small school, private school football in New Orleans. That doesn't mean he, he's not playing against good competition or anything. But this is going
4: to be a whole different deal. And I think patience is probably the best route. Uh, this is a random. We, I did not mention I was going to ask you this, but I've had a couple guys. Now I'm in LA, so I'm sure this is going to make sense to you. But I've had a couple guys tell me that the Pac-12 will have the best collection of quarterbacks in the country next year from Pennix. Yeah, that's true. Williams. Um, I don't know. Is Bo Nix back? I don't even know. Yeah, Bo Nix is coming back. The kid at Arizona is on his way up. I don't know if Arizona State got anybody, but it, I mean, is that crazy to say? Dion's kid, I guess. Well, I'm, that's half joking, but. Um, no, I mean, he's, he, who knows? I,
7: I think that's going to be one of the interesting stories of next season is, you know, how does Shadur Sanders translate? Uh, because he was obviously very productive at the FCS level at, at Jackson State. So, no, I think that's true um Washington's one of those teams that I think a lot of people are going to be high on in the preseason because they do have Henix coming back and what are they going to do in the transfer portal, you know, to maybe bolster. They they had a great season. I mean, look at the season yeah. those guys had under under Kalen DeBoer who uh, is really really good coach. Uh, they're definitely one to watch. Oregon lot of talent there. Bonix played great when he was in most of the time. Yeah, that's a really good collection of quarterbacks out there.
4: Oh, man, I'm just looking at the Washington schedule because somebody smart once told me, you schedule a national championship. So Washington has to go to East Lansing. I mean, they'll probably be favored, but it's still East Lansing. Oregon State's on the uptick. I think Arizona's going to be kind of good next year. They have to travel to USC. Oh, geez, that's a rough schedule. They get Utah at home. I don't know, probably not a playoff-worthy team, right, at Washington?
7: Well, they they might be. And, uh, yeah, you— Mentioned Oregon State, D.J. Uyunglele uh, from Clemson. has forgot his, his about Stanford him. To Oregon State. So, yeah, you're not going to have too many teams in the Pac-12 that, that don't have good quarterbacks. Uh, but, you know, who knows? You know, the Pac-12 shot themselves in the foot for however many years in a row in terms of the playoff. Uh, let's see what happens at USC. It's going to be really interesting to see if they address their defense. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they get a... They get a different coordinator, you know, maybe make some adjustments in, in the way they, they practice. I mean, I think that's been a big issue at USC, just the physicality. There's gotta be there's gotta be an intention to play good defense there that they haven't had under Lincoln Riley. And if they can figure that out, I mean Caleb Williams is is obviously a
4: magic man. So mm-hmm. it's gonna be interesting year in the Pac twelve. Uh two two staying in the Pac twelve. DJ, I, I gotta say, Dan, uh I still remember when he filled in for Lawrence against Notre Dame and was unbelievably good. Like four, might have been the worst past. thing that happened to him. Well, that—that's what I wanted to like. What happened? Yeah, maybe so that game good. was
7: just sort of an unrealistic picture of what he was. Uh, clearly, you know, struggled in development. I, I think the Clemson offensive scheme is tired and worn out. That's a whole other topic. Uh, I think they've got to make some adjustments as a program. But clearly, that
4: he—he he did not take those steps people expected him to take. Um, and, uh, the other one was Caleb Williams, likely the 2024 number one pick. I know that's way, way far away, but Drake may as well at UNC, yep. your early read on both those guys as quarterbacks. Why? Well,
7: I certainly would take Caleb Williams to be my quarterback in the NFL. Just look at what he does, how he, the ball leaves his hand. He He's awesome. Um, you know, as far as Drake May, there was a little bit maybe of him hitting the wall mm-hmm. late in the season. There were a couple kind of shaky performances down the stretch from him at North Carolina, but he's got a lot of talent, big kid. Uh, I think there's definitely going to be a lot of eyeballs on him, and and we'll see because he came into this season without a lot of expectations. He'll go into twenty twenty three with a ton, and how somebody handles that, I think will. I think that just alone says a lot about maybe the investment that, that you f- will feel good
4: about at the next level. Do Do you feel that uh, this Pittsburgh coach popping off saying somebody's offering him $5 million? Do you think there's any truth to that? Because apparently he shot it down afterward, but you didn't see as much publicity about the shootdown. Um, what, what's your take on that? Well, certainly a lot of these guys who are the good
7: players, especially good quarterbacks, I'm sure they are getting some proposals you know hey if you want to come here this is what could be available to you five million dollars that's unrealistic uh and a lot of the numbers we've seen in nil are unrealistic and just frankly frankly not not true um some of it you know a lot of it's agent driven uh a lot of it's contingent on xyz a lot of it's just hot air but uh, (laughs) there's no way he was offered five million dollars um you know certainly some of these guys are seven figure NIL type
4: players, but yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. Uh, we can wrap up Dan with this. Cause my dog says, hey, D- Dan's got to go uh, wrap it up. Jay um, Jim Harbaugh has been all over the place. I mean, I remember two years ago after the loss to Ohio state, they were like talking about firing him. So then he has to take a pay cut Then he beats Ohio state goes to the playoff. They don't give him a raise, at least not that I, the IHA saw he goes interviews with the Vikings says, Oh, it's just, I wanted to talk to him. That's it. No, no, no. That was a one-time deal. So now here we are. Jim Harbaugh beats Ohio State, goes to the playoff. Michigan's going to give him a raise, but apparently these rich NFL owners, Tepper in Carolina and the Walmart family in Denver, are willing to throw like $20 million at him per year. Uh, can he leave after beating Ohio State twice but still no natty? Uh, it's a tough one. It doesn't seem like an easy decision for Harbaugh. Selfishly,
7: I'd love Harbaugh to stay in college football forever because I just think yeah. he's really interesting as the Michigan coach, and oh yeah, think it makes college football a whole lot better that he's in it. But it's hard to ever try to get a read on what's in his head. It's it's useless to even try. I mean, he he's so far out in left field. Don't even attempt to figure out what he's thinking. But it does seem like his primary goal in coaching is to win a super bowl not a national championship no wait
4: is that seem or has he said that or what what's your well, read on he's he's talked about
7: the extreme disappointment of not getting the job done when he was with the 49ers obviously mm. they got close lost to his brother if you yes. remember yeah. in the super bowl great game and he I, yeah he's talked before about what it would mean to him to win a super bowl and, and how badly he he would like to do that but obviously, he's been at Michigan now for you know like seven years. Is he a fifteen-year in one place kind of guy? Wow. You know, he the thing about Harbaugh is he wears on people, and I think maybe people wear on him. Um, <laughs> it's there's just always friction around he's an him.
4: Odd duck, right? Odd. Have you? And and I'm just curious. Have you ever spent like a one-on-one with him for like more than five, ten minutes? No. Like he just seems like he's a little spacey. I don't know. Maybe he's got some stuff going on, which a lot of people have stuff going on. He just seems a little
7: off kilter. He's one of those guys who I think you can maybe have their attention for like two minutes tops. And then his mind is like moved on to something else, you know? Uh, But yeah, like great coach. I I didn't think he did a very good job in the game against TCU, uh, but he's, he's good. He's done great job at Michigan. I think it's been a huge success what he's done there, especially the last two years. But yeah, I think it just boils down to not, not not even money. I think it's just, does he view himself at the end of the day as Michigan for life, man, no. or I'm going to do one more in the NFL and try to get that Super Bowl because that's what I want to do the most. Mm-hmm. And it, that's really his choice, uh, but I don't know that I can sit here and say what he's thinking or what he wants to do. He put out that statement uh you know, yeah. I expect yeah. to be back in Michigan in 2023. I don't think that's worth the paper it was <laughs> tweeted on.
4: Um, but, so, but I do wonder, uh, like an opportunity to coach a good quarterback and Russell Wilson. That, those don't come along every day. Usually, NFL jobs are open. Is Russell Wilson's a still a good quarterback. Uh, I think uh, he had a bad year. Um, I think he is. You think he's totally washed? It's over.
7: I don't know. I mean, he certainly didn't look didn't look very good. But uh, you know, Quarter- there's also the indie thing. He played in indie. Oh, they're terrible. For a long time, I, yeah. you know, but l- let me say this: I can I can say this as as I uh, depart here. Had Minnesota offered him the job last year, he was going to take that job. Oh, and I think that is maybe the best indication that he does at some point want to give the NFL one more try. And do you
4: have a name in case Harbaugh leaves? <laughs> Who could go? Give me a spicy name. Well, I mean, listen, I know they have guys on staff that they like, but. PJ Flex, one guy who I think could oh.
7: potentially be in the you know in the mix. I mean, he's done well in the Big Ten. He plays a style that kind of fits what Michigan wants to do. I, I think Chris Kleiman is a tremendous coach at Kansas State. Um, he was a you know look at the championships he won at North Dakota State and FCS. He he he's a guy to me who translates. I think you could put him at any level. He translates. Yeah. Uh, I think he'd be great there. But those Big aren't West Michigan guy. men,
4: Dan. Yeah, you know that Michigan gets silly with that stuff. But Kleiman and Fleck are good ones. Uh, That's good stuff, Dan. Uh, Dan Wolken, USA Today Sports. Obviously, he'll be covering the game tonight. Uh, Dan, thanks a lot. Enjoy the game, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jason.
3: The only thing better than sitting on your couch watching the game is making money while you do it. Here's your best bet.
4: Great stuff from Dan Wolkin, USA Today Sports. He's always got some interesting takes on the Twitter machine. So we previewed the game hard. We had Danny Connell on Friday, Dan Wolken today. And listen, I've covered the best bet last week on the pod. I talked about it with Wolken. It should be fairly obvious, guys, where I am on this. Georgia and the under. I think that's the only reasonable play. I can't get over the fact that TCU, two pick sixes. Michigan stubbed their toe twice inside the five-yard line. Folks, that's a 28-point swing. We are not going to see that in this Georgia game. I I don't know that Georgia's totally going to lock them down and dominate or anything like that, but I think they control the game enough, especially defensively. And by the way, Keely Ringo, who was in my first round of my mock draft, the Georgia cornerback, lit up like a Christmas tree by Marvin Harrison. But then again, Marvin Harrison... Best receiver in college football. Quinton Johnston, very good wide receiver for TCU, who I will have first round. But he's not the game-breaker that Marvin Harrison is. I mean, that guy is special. He can—the uh, the catch radius, um, high points, over the shoulder. I mean, he's the total package. Speed, power. Like, Quinton Johnston's very, very good. Not taking anything away from him. He ain't no Marvin Harrison. And that's not a slight at all. So I will go TCU 17 Georgia, 37. Bulldogs and the under. Enjoy the game, guys. We'll be back tomorrow. I'm out.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. From BBC Radio
3: Four, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast
0: is going on a road trip.
3: I thought in that moment, oh my god, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny, USA.
6: work.